0: Section 36 of A Half Century of Conflict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. A Half Century of Conflict by Francis Parkman Jr. Chapter 20, Part one seventeen forty five 1745, Louisbourg Taken. Frequent councils of war were held in solemn form at headquarters. On the 7th of May, a summons to surrender was sent to Duchambeau, who replied that he would answer with his cannon. Two days after, we find in the record of the council the following startling entry. Advised unanimously that the town of Louisbourg be attacked by storm this night. Vaughan was a member of the board, and perhaps his impetuous rashness had turned the heads of his colleagues. To storm the fortress at that time would have been a desperate attempt for the best-trained and best-led troops. There was as yet no breach in the walls, nor the beginning of one. The French were so confident in the strength of their fortifications that they boasted that women alone could defend them. Nine in ten of the men had no bayonets many had no shoes and it is said that the scaling ladders that they had brought from boston were ten feet too short perhaps it was unfortunate for the french that the army was more prudent than its leaders and another council being called on the same day it was advised that inasmuch as there appears a great dissatisfaction in many of the officers and soldiers at the designed attack of the town by storm this night the set attack be deferred for the present. Another plan was adopted, hardly less critical, although it found favor with the army. This was the assault of the island battery, which closed the entrance of the harbor to the British squadron and kept it open to ships from France. Nobody knew precisely how to find the two landing-places of this formidable work, which were narrow gaps between rocks, lashed with almost constant surf but vaughan would see no difficulties and wrote to Pepperel that if he would give him the command and leave him to manage the attack in his own way he would engage to send the french flag to headquarters within forty-eight hours on the next day he seems to have thought the command assured to him and writes from the grand battery that the carpenters are at work mending whaleboats and making paddles asking at the same time for plenty of pistols and one hundred hand grenades with men who know how to use them the weather proved bad and the attempt was deferred this happened several times till warren grew impatient and offered to support the attack with two hundred sailors at length on the twenty-third the volunteers for the perilous enterprise mustered at the grand battery whence the boats were to set out Brigadier Waldo, who still commanded there, saw them with concern and anxiety as they came dropping in in small squads, without officers, noisy, disorderly, and in some cases more or less drunk. I doubt, he told the general, whether straggling fellows three, four, or seven out of a company ought to go on such a service. A bright moon and northern lights again put off the attack. The volunteers remained at the Grand Battery, waiting for better luck. They seem to be impatient for action, writes Waldo. If there were a more regular appearance, it would give me greater satisfaction. On the 26th their wish for action was fully gratified. The night was still and dark, and the boats put out from the Battery towards 12 o'clock, with about 300 men on board. These were to be joined by a 100 or a 150 more from Goran's regiment, then stationed at lighthouse point the command was not vaughan but one brooks the choice of the men themselves as were also his subordinates they moved slowly the boats being propelled not by oars but by paddles which if skilfully used would make no noise the wind presently rose and when they found a landing-place the surf was lashing the rocks with even more than usual fury there was room for about three boats at once between the breakers on each hand. They pushed in, and the men scrambled ashore, with what speed they might. The island battery was a strong work, walled in on all sides, garrisoned by a hundred and eighty men, and armed with thirty cannon, seven swivels, and two mortars. It was now a little after midnight. Captain Dalbu, the commandant, was on the watch, pacing the battery platform, but he seems to have seen nothing unusual till about a hundred and fifty men had got on shore when they had the folly to announce their presence by three cheers then in the words of general walcott the battery blazed with cannon swivels and small arms the crowd of boats dimly visible through the darkness as they lay just off the landing waiting their turn to go in were at once the target for volleys of grape shot long grass shot and musket balls of which the men on shore also had their share these succeeded however in planting twelve scaling ladders against the wall it is said that some of them climbed into the place and the improbable story is told that brooks their commander was hauling down the french flag when a swift grenadier cut him down with a cutlass many of the boats were shattered or sunk while those in the rear seeing the state of things appear to have sheared off the affair was soon reduced to an exchange of shots between the garrison and the men who had landed and who standing on the open ground without the walls were not wholly invisible while the french behind their ramparts were completely hidden the fire of the english says bigot was extremely obstinate but without effect as they could not see to take aim they kept it up till daybreak or about two hours and a half and then seeing themselves at the mercy of the french surrendered to the number of 119, including the wounded, three or more of whom died almost immediately. By the most trustworthy accounts, the English loss in killed, drowned, and captured was 189, or, in the words of Pecquerel, nearly half our party. Disorder, precipitation, and weak leadership ruined what hopes the attempt ever had. As this was the only French success during the siege, du chambon makes the most of it he reports that the battery was attacked by a thousand men supported by eight hundred more who were afraid to show themselves and farther that there were thirty-five boats all of which were destroyed or sunk though he afterwards says that two of them got away with thirty men being all that were left of the thousand bigot more moderate puts the number of assailants at five hundred of whom he says that all perished except the one hundred and nineteen who were captured at daybreak louis rang with shouts of triumph it was plain that a disorderly militia could not capture the island battery yet captured or silenced it must be and orders were given to plant a battery against it at lighthouse point on the eastern side of the harbor's mouth at the distance of a short half mile the neighbouring shore was rocky and almost inaccessible cannon and mortars were carried in boats to the nearest landing-place hauled up a steep cliff and dragged a mile and a quarter to the chosen spot where they were planted under the orders of colonel gridley who thirty years after directed the earthworks on bunker hill the new battery soon opened fire with deadly effect the french much encouraged by their late success were plunged again into despondency by a disaster which had happened a week before the affair of the island battery but did not come to their knowledge till some time after on the nineteenth of may a fierce cannonade was heard from the harbour and a large french ship-of-war was seen hotly engaged with several vessels of the squadron she was the vigilante carrying sixty-four guns and five hundred and sixty men and commanded by the marquis de la maison she had come from france with munitions and stores when on approaching louisbourg she met one of the english cruisers some say the mermaid of forty guns and others the shirley of twenty being no match for her the british or provincial frigate kept up a running fight and led her towards the english fleet the vigilante soon found herself beset by several other vessels and after a gallant resistance and the loss of eighty men struck her colours nothing could be more timely for the new england army whose ammunition and provisions had sunk perilously low the french prize now supplied their needs and drew from the habitant de louisbourg the mournful comment we were victims devoted to appease the wrath of heaven which turned our own arms into weapons for our enemies nor was this the last time when the defenders of louisbourg supplied the instruments of their own destruction for ten cannon were presently unearthed at low tide from the flats near the careening wharf in the northeast arm of the harbor where they had been hidden by the french some time before most of them proved sound and being mounted at lighthouse point they were turned against their late owners at the island battery when gorham's regiment first took post at lighthouse point duchambeau thought the movement so threatening that he forgot his former doubts and ordered a sortie against it under the sieur de Boubassin Boubassin landed with a hundred men at a place called lorambec and advanced to surprise the English detachment but was discovered by an outpost of forty men who attacked and routed his party being then joined by eighty indians Boubassin had several other skirmishes with English scouting parties till pushed by superior numbers and their leader severely wounded his men regained louisbourg by sea escaping with difficulty from the guard-boats of the squadron the sieur de la Valliera, with a considerable party of men tried to burn Pepperel's storehouses near flat point cove but ten or twelve of his followers were captured and nearly all the rest wounded various other petty encounters took place between english scouting parties and roving bands of french and indians always ending according to pepperelle in the discomfiture of the latter to this however there was at least one exception twenty english were waylaid and surrounded near petit lorenbach by forty or fifty indians accompanied by two or three frenchmen most of the english were shot down several escaped and the rest surrendered on promise of life upon which the indians in cold blood shot or speared some of them and atrociously tortured others this suggested to warren a device which had two objects to prevent such outrages in future and to make known to the french that the ship vigilance the mainstay of their hopes was in english hands the treatment of the captives was told to the marquis de la maison late captain of the Vigilon, now a prisoner on board the ship he had commanded and he was requested to lay the facts before duchambon this he did with great readiness in a letter containing these words it is well that you should be informed that the captains and officers of this squadron treat us not as their prisoners but as their good friends and take particular pains that my officers and crew should want for nothing therefore it seems to me just to treat them in like manner and to punish those who do otherwise and offer any insult to the prisoners who may fall into your hands captain macdonnell of the marines carried this letter to duchambon under the flag of truce though familiar with the french language he spoke to the governor through an interpreter so that the french officers present who hitherto had only known that a large ship had been taken expressed to each other without reserve their discouragement and dismay when they learned that the prize was no other than the Du duchambon replied to la Maisonfort's letter that the indians alone were answerable for the cruelties in question and that he would forbid such conduct for the future the besiegers were now threatened by a new danger we have seen that in the last summer the Sieur de Bourbier had attacked annapolis undaunted by ill-luck he had gone to france to beg for help to attack it again two thousand men were promised him and in anticipation of their arrival the governor of canada sent a body of french and indians under the noted partisan marine to meet and cooperate with them marine was ordered to wait at les mines till he heard of the arrival of the troops from france but he grew impatient and resolved to attack annapolis without them accordingly he laid siege to it with the six or seven hundred whites and indians of his party aided by the so-called acadian neutrals mascarine the governor kept them at bay till the twenty fourth of may when, to his surprise they all disappeared duchambon had sent them an order to make all haste to the aid of louisbourg as the report of this reached the besiegers multiplying Marin's force fourfold they expected to be attacked by numbers more than equal to those of their own affected men this wrought a wholesome reform order was established in the camp which was now fenced with palisades and watched by sentinels and scouting parties another tribulation fell upon the general shirley had enjoined it upon him to keep in perfect harmony with the naval commander and the injunction was in accord with pepperell's conciliating temper warren was no less earnest than he for the success of the enterprise lent him ammunition in time of need and offered every aid in his power while pepperell in letters to shirley and newcastle praised his colleague without stint but in habits and character the two men differed widely Warren was in the prime of life, and the ardor of youth still burned in him. He was impatient at the slow movement of the siege. Prisoners told him of a squadron expected from Brest, of which the Vigilon was the forerunner, and he feared that even if it could not defeat him it might elude the blockade, and with the help of the continual fogs get into Louisbourg in spite of him, thus making its capture impossible." therefore he called a council of his captains on board his flagship the superb and proposed a plan for taking the place without further delay on the same day he laid it before pepperell it was to the effect that all the king's ships and provincial cruisers should enter the harbour after taking on board sixteen hundred of pepperell's men and attack the town from the water side while what was left of the army should assault it by land to accept the proposal would have been to pass over the command to warren only about twenty-one hundred of the new england men being fit for service at the time while of these the general informs warren that six hundred are gone in quest of two bodies of french and indians who we are informed are gathering one to the eastward and the other to the westward to this warren replies with some appearance of pique i am very sorry that no one plan of mine though approved by all my captains has been so fortunate as to meet your approbation or have any weight with you and to show his title to consideration he gives an extract from a letter written to him by shirley in which that inveterate flatterer hints his regret that by reason of other employments warren could not take command of the whole expedition which i doubt not says the governor would be a most happy event for his majesty's service pepperell kept his temper under this thrust and wrote to the commodore with invincible courtesy am extremely sorry the fogs prevent me from the pleasure of waiting on you on board your ship adding that six hundred men should be furnished from the army and the transports to man the Vigilant, which was now the most powerful ship in the squadron in short he showed every disposition to meet warren halfway, but the commodore was beginning to feel some doubts as to the expediency of the bold action he had proposed and informed pepperell that his pilots thought it impossible to go into the harbour until the island battery was silenced in fact there was danger that if the ships got in while that battery was still alive and active they would never get out again but be kept there as in a trap under the fire from the town ramparts bridley's artillery at lighthouse point had been doing its best dropping bombshells with such precision into the island battery that the french soldiers were sometimes seen running into the sea to escape the explosions many of the island guns were dismounted and the place was fast becoming untenable at the same time the english batteries on the land side were pushing their work of destruction with relentless industry and walls and bastions crumbled under their fire the French labored with energy under cover of night to repair the mischief, closed the shattered west gate with a wall of stone and earth twenty feet thick, made an epaumene to protect what was left of the formidable circular battery, all but three of whose sixteen guns had been dismounted, stopped the throat of the Dauphin's bastion with a barricade of stone, and built a cavalier, or raised battery, on the king's bastion, where, however, the English fire soon ruined it against that near and peculiarly dangerous neighbor the advanced battery or as they called it the batterie des francurs they planted three heavy cannon to take it in flank these says dubachon produced a marvelous effect dismounted one of the cannon of the Bastonet, and damaged all their embrasures which concludes the governor did not prevent them from keeping up a constant fire and they repaired by night the mischief we did them by day. End of section thirty six. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.